may be seated. This may be one of the most helpful thoughts that I've shared with you in a long time. The challenge is this, us getting a hold of it and applying it to our life. Amen? We've been talking the last few weeks about rethinking our life. Everybody say rethinking our life. Our sub-theme has been this, change your thinking, what? Change your life. Say that with me. Change your thinking, change your life. I heard an old story. It's been told several times, but I, I, I want to share it with you. Uh, uh, it was a Friday night. This, this young man had just gotten paid. He didn't have anything else to do, so he figured that he would head home. And as he was heading home, he found a flyer on a telephone pole, and it said this, Midnight Harbor Cruise, music, dancing, all you can eat, and all you can drink for $50 departs from Dock C at midnight sharp. So he thought to himself, well, I don't have anything to do, so I'll go check this out. I can't pass up this. This sounds like a really good deal. It does, doesn't it? sound like a really good deal. So he headed down to the dock at midnight, and when he got there, there was no boat. There was nobody. There was nobody in line for taking signed up that he thought there would be a long line of people surely there for such a good deal. So he figured he misread the flyer and he was going to go home. And as he began to leave, someone snuck up behind him and hit him in the head. Knocked him out cold. Next thing he knew, the next morning he woke up, he was floating in the water in a little dinghy about 100 yards offshore by himself. His pockets were empty. His money was all gone, and there was a huge lump on the back of his head. He sat up, and he looked around, and he saw about 20 yards away, there was another guy in another little dinghy with a bump on the back of his head as well. He called out to the guy, and he says facetiously, Hey, do they serve breakfast on this cruise? <laughs> the other guy says, I don't think so. At least they didn't last week. You'll get that later, maybe. <laughs> How many of this of you would be honest? And sometimes that just sounds like our life. It sounds like many of us because we keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again. Anybody? Am I talking to some real people here tonight? Yep. Falling for the same tricks, falling for the same lies, doing the same thing over and again. And we think to ourselves, why can I not stop doing this? Why do I keep doing the same things, tripping over the same things over and over? And I want to share this with you because this synthesizes everything that I want to talk about tonight. Change does not just start in our behavior. Change has to start in our thinking. If we want to change our life, we have to change the way that we think about this life and about our life. So we're talking tonight about rethinking our view of ourself. Everybody say myself. I know this sounds selfish, but I promise you it's not as selfish as it sounds if you'll just bear with me. Why? Because literally our mind is a house. Everybody say a house made of thoughts, and those thoughts affect our entire lives. What would happen to you if you tried to eat junk food for an entire year and then go try to run a marathon? You probably wouldn't finish very well. 
But what about all of the junk? And we understand that physically, but what about all the junk and the clutter that is floating around in our head? All of the empty ways and the old ways of thinking, the old empty values, the lies that we keep telling ourselves repeatedly. How do we get that stuff? How do we change the way that we think? Uh, Things like, well, I'm never going to be able to control my anger. I've tried and I've tried. I'm never going to be able to control my lust. I'm never going to be free from my addiction. I'm never going to be free to truly love. Again, I've been hurt so much. Or maybe someone here may be thinking or have thought my life is just meaningless. It doesn't matter. I'm going to live however I want to live because it doesn't make any difference. I'm going to do whatever I want to do, and I'm going to do it with whoever I want to do it because life just doesn't make sense. Paul writes to the Romans in Romans 13, and he says, and do this, and this is in your your handout, understanding the present time. Everybody say the present time. In the Bible, this is called a kairos moment. Kairos moment is a moment in time, a moment in your life that must be seized in order to accomplish this purpose. Ladies and gentlemen, I may not be teaching to everybody here tonight. I wish that I really was, but I know the reality of that is probably not true. But if three or four people can get a hold of what I'm talking about in the next few moments, you can literally walk out of this room with a changed life. But you have to make up in your mind that today, on this Wednesday night at the middle of October, just like we come and we do every Wednesday night and we come and worship and we can pass it off as just routine, but we must get a hold of the moment. Everybody say, get a hold of the moment. We must seize it in order for it to accomplish its purpose. Paul says, do this understanding. Uh, This hour has already come for you to wake from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than we first believed. The night is nearly over. How many of you believe that? The day is almost here. So put aside what? The deeds of darkness. And put on what? The armor. Pastor talked about this a little bit Sunday. Put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime. Not in carousing and drunkenness. Not in sexual immorality or debauchery. Not in dissension or jealousy. But what? Rather what? Clothe yourself uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't even think about it. How many of you have heard that from mom? I've said that to the dog many times in the last few weeks. Don't even think about it. Do you think he has heard me? No, he has not heard me one time. Paul says, don't even think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. So what is Paul saying here? It starts where? It starts in our what? thinking. It starts in our mind. And if you're going to rethink your view of yourself, uh, then you've got to get rid of the junk and the clutter that's in your mind. Amen. Amen. I said, you got to get rid of it. Everybody say, you got to get rid of it. Look at your neighbor and say, get rid of it. Get rid of your stinking thinking. Get rid of the junk that has accumulated. How many of you got a junk closet? Come on, somebody testify. How many got a junk drawer? Come on, maybe you got more than one, right? You got a junk garage. You can't even park your car in the garage. No, some of you are saying, no, absolutely not. But you know what I'm talking about. Why? It's filled with the clutter of what? Yesterday. And we're always, hear me very carefully, because I'm talking to you in the Holy Ghost, we're always cluttering up our mind and our spirit with the thoughts of yesterday. 
with the thoughts of yesterday and what used to be and why can't it be that way now and our tradition and our religion and the things we were raised with uh, and they clutter our mind and Paul and Jesus is trying to tell us uh, if you're going to change your tomorrow you've got to change your thinking today. If you're going to change your future you've got to change the way that you think today. Ephesians 4.23, I like the way that this version reads this. It says, be made new in the attitude of your mind. Circle that, underline that in your notes. Be made new in the attitude of your mind. In other words, if you want to be new, if you want to be a new person, it doesn't just start in your behavior. If you want to have freedom, if you want to have hope, if you want to have vision, if you want to have joy in your life, it begins with the way that you think. Let me say that again. It begins with the way that you think. Paul said this. We know this. This is very familiar to us. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be what? Transformed. Everybody say transformed. By the renewing. If you look at that in the original language, it actually reads this way. Be continually renewed. Be continually renewed. In other words, this is not a one-time deal. This is not a Sunday-to-Sunday deal. We're not leaving like spiritual junkies from one high to the next high. No, it's a daily thing. I must be continually transformed. How? By the renewing of my mind. How do I renew my mind? I renew my mind through worship. I renew my mind through prayer. I renew my mind through the Word of God. I renew my mind through the promises of God. And I can't do it once on Sunday and then try to stumble in here on Wednesday. I've got to do it what? Every single day. Why? Because the enemy's not going to let up on his onslaught of your character and your identity. If you want to know the will of God, you have to think in the ways of God. He's saying when you stop conforming to the pattern of this world, then God begins to transform you into the pattern of his will. I want to give you a couple of definitions here. A couple of terms because it's important for us to understand the process of change. Everybody say the process. Every single one of us are in a process. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you have not, no matter what you think, arrived. God's, you better hope, honey, God's not done with you yet. I remember the little song we used to sing in children's church, God's Still Working on Me. Remember that, Sister Neela? Anybody remember that? That's old school. I'm dating myself, but I'm old, okay? I still believe it. God's still working on me. It's important, though, for us to understand the difference between conforming and transforming. Conform, this is in your notes. To conform means to fit into a mold. It literally like the idea. How many of you have ever played with Play-Doh and you fit it into a mold and that impression came out? That's what Paul's talking about. To conform means to fit into a mold. To make or listen to this, become the same. Not different, the same. It means to behave in a conventional way by accepting without question. You might want to underline those three words. Accepting without question the custom, traditions, and prevailing opinions of others. That's what happens when we conform to the opinion and the ideas of other people. And yet, how often do we do it? We're like Play-Doh in a mold. 
Why? Because we just want to fit into the world around us and be like everybody else. Why? We don't want to make any ways. We don't want to look different or act differently. But Paul is saying you better not conform to the pattern of this world. In other words, stop trying to fit in. Why? Because you don't even belong here. As followers of Jesus Christ, we belong to a different kingdom. We have pledged our allegiance to a different king. He is king of kings and he is lord of lords. We live under a different set of values, ladies and gentlemen, not the values of this world. I live under a different economy. God is my economy and my supply. I have a different way of relating to the world around us. That's why I can stand with peace and say God is in control. Why? Because I do not bow to the kingdoms of this world and to the politics of this world. I bow to the king who has all authority and rule over all the worlds. Just because something is socially acceptable does not make it right. The majority is usually wrong. History has proved that. Well, you know, everybody's doing it. It's just the new normal. No, have you ever considered to think what God thinks about the new normal? He wants us to live under a different set of values. God says, look, don't conform to the ways of this world. Where does that start? It starts right here. Tap yourself on the head. It starts right here. Stop and think about what you're doing. That's just who I am. I can't help myself. No, that's a lie from the pit of hell. That's a trap from the enemy. Yes, you can help yourself. You can help yourself because you have been filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. And that's God living on the inside of you. And he has equipped you to help yourself. Amen. Then Paul says, but what? Be transformed. Everybody shout it with me. Transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Not the renewing of your behavior. By the renewing of your mind. Transform means to change the nature. Not go along with, not fit into the mold of, but to change the nature, the character, and the personality of something. Are you hearing me? So look at the difference. Conforming is about changing external appearances, but transforming is about changing the internal nature of something. And what do you do when you change the internal nature of something? You change its purpose. Oh, you got to get a hold of this. Oh, I hope somebody gets a hold of this. Conforming has to do with behavior. That's fitting into a mold. Transforming has to do with my character. That's literally me what? Changing from the inside out. He says that you do it by not trying to act like everyone else. He says, but by the changing the way that you think, by making a 180 degree turn and heading in a new direction in your thoughts and becoming a new you. If we want to be like Christ, if we want to be like his followers, his disciples, we must understand that we've got to learn. I talked about it a couple weeks ago to think like Jesus Christ. So where does this transformation start? I'm glad you asked. The word repentance is in the Bible many times. In the New Testament Greek, it is metania. It is simply means to change your mind, change the way you think and walk the other way. There's nothing super spiritual about that, but it is very spiritual. 
Repent does not mean to change the way that you just behave. Repentance comes before your change in behavior. You have to repent and change the way that you think. If your thinking doesn't change, your behavior never will. It'll last for a few seconds, a couple of minutes, or a day or so, but you'll always go back to who you used to be. Amen? There's another word that we must need to recover its meaning. It's called confess. Everybody say confess. Now, none of us like this word because it has to do with submission. The Greek word for confess is homologeo. It literally means the same thing. And it literally means this, to say it over and over and over. Everybody say that with me. To say it over and over and over. So confession simply is saying what God has already said about me. It's agreeing with what God says, not arguing with him, but agreeing. So when I come to him, hear me very carefully because I'm going to help you out theologically. I know some of you have already got this tied up in a neat bow, but I'm going to, I'm going to hurt you and then I'm going to help you. All right. Are you with me? We often think that confession is just about confessing sins, but there's much more to confession than just confessing sins. There's something greater here. And you will never be free if you get stuck just confessing sins. Now, confessing sins is important. We all understand that. We're all good Bible. Uh, you're here on Wednesday night, so you understand that because it's a part of forgiveness. The Bible says that when I confess, God forgives. Confessing sin is important. But if I stop there, all I am saying is, God, I'm sorry. You're right. I'm wrong. And I promise I'll never do it again. There's confession. But it does not really produce change in my life. Hear me very carefully. How many of you have noticed that we're really not creative when it comes to sinning? We usually go back to the four or five things that we always deal with over and over again. Confessing our sins brings forgiveness. But there is another kind of confession that brings transformation. It's not just confessing your sins. We must learn how to confess our faith. Don't stop at confessing sins. Take the next step and start learning how to confess your faith. Confessing your sins is saying what God already knows that you have done. But confessing your faith is saying what God says about who you are and about who he is. And if I want to have a renewed mind, I have got to learn to think differently. Here's the process. I want you to write it down. Here's the process. Are you ready? With Are you ready? When I say what God says, this is going to be worth the price of your admission tonight. It's going to be worth you getting dressed and going through Dairy Queen early right here, okay? When I say what God says, I begin to think like God thinks. I want to say it again. When I say what God says, I begin to think like God thinks. Confession is what leads to repentance. Saying what God says changes how I think. When I say what God says about my life, when I begin to think what God thinks about life, when I begin to say what God says about relationships, I will begin to think what God thinks about relationships. When I say what God says about values like things like money, then I will begin to think like God thinks about these things. When I say what God has already said about me and over me, then I will begin 
begin to think the way that God thinks about me. This is the key to a changed life. It's just what Pastor was talking about on Sunday. We have walked around in a Christianity that is joyless. Why? Because we have forgotten who God is and what he has already said over our lives. God is not against you, ladies and gentlemen. God's not out to hurt you. God's not out to destroy you. God's not standing on the balcony of heaven with a baseball bat waiting for you to mess up. No, he went to the cross to pay the price for your salvation. He's a lot more interested in your success than you are. So you're not just saying what God said about you. You're saying what God says about who you are if you are in Christ. Because listen, it doesn't work unless you have an understanding of your Christ identity. If I belong to Christ, then I can say what God has already said about me. That's why we must be people of the word. Everybody say people of the word. We have a lot of promises. You got your Bible with you? Pick your Bible up. Pick your device up. Some of you just got your device. That's all right. We got a lot of promises. They do us no good if we don't access them. Are you with me? They do us no good if we don't access them. There's over 3,000 promises here. But if we don't know them and we don't learn to speak them over our lives, they do us no good. They're just sitting in a book on a shelf. Right? So I have to be able to say what God has said. I have to be able to say, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I know that because I have the word on that. Are are you with me? How can I say that? I know that because I've got God's word on it and God's word cannot lie. I know that. I know that my sins are forgiven because I have God's word on that. I know that God is not ashamed of me. Why? Because I have God's word on that. I have been who the son has set free. I am free indeed. Why? I have the word on that. I have God's word on that. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Why? My God shall supply all of my needs according to the riches of his grace. Why do I, why can I confess that over my life? Right here. I have word for it. I said I have word for it. We put in your uh, handout today just some confirmations. Pastor shared this with us a few months ago, but sometimes we got to be reminded. You need to tuck those in your Bible. You need to remind yourself. Why? Because I don't know about you. I'm a human being living in a flawed, broken, broken world. And there's some days that I wake up and I forget my identity in Christ. And I have to remind myself of who I am. Amen. Amen. Everybody say, I got word for it. I got everybody wants a word from the Lord. I'm giving you a word from the Lord. Are, are you with me? You start with what you got. What do you have? You've got the word of God about your identity. Don't you think that truths like this would change so many other things in our life if we were to take them in, to say them, and allow them to change how we think? I believe that if we spent more time confessing our faith, saying what God says about us, we would also be able to spend less time having to confess our sins. Did you get that? 
If we'd spend more time confessing God's word and God's promises over our life, we would, we would be able to spend less time confessing our sins. Because I promise you, I promise you one thing. I promise you one thing. It's a lot more difficult to sit and watch pornography if you're not confessing God's word over your life. Boy, that got your attention quick. What are you saying, David? If we'd fill our minds and our mouth with God's word, we'd be a lot less tempted to do all the other things that we're tempted by. Right? I said we'd be a lot less tempted to do all the other things that we're tempted to buy. Lust seems to go away when I start to quote God's word over my life. Why? Because I'm confessing God's promises over my life and I'm displaying, I'm displaying I, I, I'm, I'm taking away an old way of thinking, right? Remember what pastor talked about on Sunday? It's a carnal way of thinking. We're still living in this human flesh. Your flesh is still doing war with your spirit. And your spirit is still doing war with your flesh. Everything that you're going through is a spiritual body, a, a spiritual battle. It's not a flesh and blood battle. And so you have to do war, what? In the spirit. Thank God we have the victory... Right? Through Jesus Christ. Why? Because my thoughts, everybody say this with me, my thoughts control my life. Hear me very carefully. It's not in your notes, but you need to write this down. This is free. All of us are headed in the direction of our thoughts. All of us are headed in the direction of our thoughts. When we begin to say what God says, we begin to now think the way that God thinks. And my thinking changes. When I begin to think how God thinks, my thinking changes. And therefore, my actions begin to change. And that is the secret to being made new in the attitude of my mind. It's the secret to rethinking how you think about yourself. Are you with me? Go back to the first verse. Ephesians 4.23 be made new in the attitude of your mind. Right before Paul writes this sentence, he wrote a pretty exhaustive list of the things that people in this culture needed to be mindful of to guard their hearts against that they needed to stop doing. He mentioned things like anger, intolerance, bitterness, slander, lying, stealing, hatred. All those things we can relate to. Why? Because of the culture and the world that we live in. But here's how he ends the list. Be made new in the attitude of your minds. Comes from the Greek word. These three words, be made new, comes from the Greek word, ananeo. You don't need to know the word, but here's the definition of the word. Renovate. Everybody say renovate. So Paul is saying that to be made new means to renovate our thinking. If there's going to be any kind of change in our life, any kind of true renewal, there has to be a renovation that happens in your mind. How many of you have ever remodeled something in your house and lived in the middle of it? Oh, dear Lord. All right. Is that fun or what? No. But here is the thing and here's the critical piece. We have to understand, and if you've done this before, you understand that renovation is usually not just a one moment in time happening. If you start on one thing, it usually leads to what? Something else. And then that usually leads what? To something else. And then something else needs to be what? 
fixed. And then you got to call Brother Tommy to cut down trees because now you want to fix something else. Are you with me? You know what? The renovation of our mind is no difference. It's a process that takes work. When you're renovating your home, where do you start? You start with demolition. And if our house is a house that is made of thoughts, that affects the rest of our life, this is in your notes, but I want you to write it down. Renovation always begins with demolition. Let me say that again. Renovation always begins with demolition. Every single day you process between 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day. Almost 3,000 thoughts every single hour. Over time, those thoughts form patterns and they form structures in your mind. And those structures, they're built out of conclusions that you've come to in the past, agreements that you've made with yourself. And some of those conclusions and agreements are agreements about yourself, how you see yourself, how you see God, and how you think that God sees you. And Paul is saying, if you look back at this verse, before you can experience any real change, any real renewal, there's some patterns in the structure, and those structures must be broken down. They must be discarded, and they must be demolished. Why am I dragging around those things that are based on something that is not even true about myself because I have held on to things that have created chains around my life. There's an illustration, and it's true. It's been proven over and over with many different animals. There's an illustration of, an, uh, of a trainer taking a baby elephant and tying him to a chain and allowing him to only... How many of you have heard that illustration before? He only allowed to go a certain way. And then as that animal grew older, that... Uh, they allowed that elephant to stay in that space over and over and over. Finally, he got to a place of maturity and they took the chain off the elephant. Do you think that the elephant wandered off? No. Why? Because he had been in that chained area his entire life and he knew nothing else about life. And that's exactly where the enemy has got some of you tonight. You're still chained and you don't know it. Why? Because you're holding on to things in your past that have built up structures in your thinking. And that's how you view yourself. And that's how you think God views you. You want to know how God views you if you're in Christ? I'm going to tell you how God views you if you're in Christ. Completely covered, perfect in his righteousness. Did you hear me? God does it if you're, if you are in Christ. Are you, are you with me? If you are, everybody say in Christ. I spent five weeks on identity in Christ just, just a couple of months ago. If you are in Christ, and pastor's been preaching on Sunday morning. If you are in Christ, God does not see you except through the lens of the perfected righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's how he sees you. The enemy sees you according to your past because he doesn't understand your future. Why have we allowed the devil to prop up the lie in our mind that he is omnipotent and he can be in all places at all times doing warfare with all of us? That is a lie. The devil is not omnipotent. 
The devil is not omniscient. The devil is not omnipresent. He cannot be in all places at all times. I'm going to help somebody here tonight. Two or three people are going to walk home free. And you think the devil has been. You know why he does that? He bounds you through your thinking. He has no power in your life. The devil has no authority in your life. He will try to get you to believe that through the influence of the things of this world. But the enemy has no power in your life. If you are covered in the blood and the name of Jesus Christ. Say, why do we put so much emphasis on baptism? I'll tell you why we put so much emphasis on baptism. When you go down into that water and you come up under that name, you're coming up under the name and the blood and the authority and the covenant promise of the name that is attached to that name. And when you come up out of that water, you have now been buried into Christ and now you are raised in Christ. Now you have a Christ-given identity. Paul told the Galatians, Galatians 3.27, as many as you have been baptized into Christ have now what? Put on Christ. But we have this thinking. I'm trying to close. We have this thinking and we drag around these chains of our past. Things like we think that we're not forgivable. Things like those things in my past. Brother David or pastor, if you knew what those things that I had done in my past. Let me tell you something. God knows everything about you. Even the things you think are hidden, God still knows about them. And he still has the endless capacity to extend to you mercy, grace, and love. Even though he knows every single thing about you. So why keep walking around with the chains of bad thinking? Maybe it's regrets for things that you continue to fail to do. You know you need to do them, but you don't do them. Maybe you've hung a label, a label around your neck that says failure, and you believe that God sees you as failure. God does not see you as a failure. You may have felt like you have failed people. You may have felt like you have failed people who have loved you and cared for you. But if you have repented and asked for forgiveness, God does not see you as a failure. Who am I preaching to? I'm trying to help somebody here today. you got to change the way that you think about yourself. Why? Because God thinks about you in a total different capacity. Maybe it's hopelessness. Maybe because there's some real needs in your life, some things that need to change. Maybe it's decades of, of struggle where you say, God, please, I want to see change in this area. How many of you struggled with one thing over and over and over? You'll be honest and say, I've struggled with this thought process over and over and nothing's changing. So I guess that God doesn't care. No, you've got to change the way that you think about God and you've got to learn how to think like him so you can see how he thinks about you. Mm. I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, by the power of God, God has sent me here to tell somebody, maybe it's two or three people, enough is enough. 
Stop wrestling with the thing that you thought would shame you 17 years ago or 15 years ago. Well, you don't know about my last bankruptcy. You don't know about my last abortion. You don't know about my last divorce. I don't, but God does, and he still loves you. Satan is the author of shame and failure. Jesus Christ is not. Say, David, you sound angry. No, I'm just stirred up. Somebody's got to walk out of here. Be free from your thinking about yourself. Jesus is the author of grace and freedom. Freedom to give you hope. Freedom to give you peace. Freedom to give you joy. Don't let the enemy rob you of a joyless or joy-filled Christianity. Why does it matter? It all comes down to knowing the truth about yourself. Why? Jesus said, when you know the truth, it's going to set you free. I'll leave you with Psalms 107. This is an old set of texts. We don't really equate it to here, but I think it speaks to us. Some set in darkness in the deepest gloom, imprisoned in iron chains of misery. Some of you may feel like that's where you're at right now. Lord, help, they cried out of their trouble. And the Bible says he saved them out of their distress. He led them out of darkness. He broke their chains. So now, let them praise God for his great love and the great things that he has done for them. Why? Because he broke down the prison gates of the bronze. He cut apart the bars of iron and he snapped their chains and he broke down their gates and he's cut apart those bars that would keep you back. Say, David, you don't know what I've gone through. You don't know where I've been. No, I don't, but God does. And he's here to break the bars of your life. As you stand tonight. Paul says this in Romans 8. And I don't have time to get there. But he says there is therefore now no. What? Condemnation. For those who are what? In Christ Jesus. Do you realize that those two words. Hear me very carefully. Just play real softly. Ashton, thank you. Do you realize nowhere else in the Bible are those two words put together? Except in this verse. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. To those who have been buried in His name, His blood, His sacrifice. Who am I talking to right now that says, David, I'm the one that's struggling. I'm the one you're, you've been teaching to tonight. Could you just raise your hand? It may not be sin. I'm not saying it is. It just may be an old way of thinking about yourself. Anybody be honest? I want you to walk to the front of this building because somebody's going home free on a Wednesday night. Yeah, I know it's Wednesday, but somebody's going home free.